Hello, podcast listeners. This is Sam Dyer, your OrthoPAC host. I wanted to let you know about our latest CME event, November the 13th and 14th, uh, Saturday and Sunday in Charlotte. That's this fall. We're calling it the PAOS Orthopedic Bootcamp. This is intended for those new to orthopedics, or if you want to brush up on your orthopedic assessment and clinical knowledge, this course is for you. So a variety of topics, basic musculoskeletal radiographic interpretation, what is an urgent versus an emergent orthopedic case, fracture and dislocation principles, coding and compliance, an exam of everything orthopedic, spine and the extremities, and then to top it off, we're gonna teach you how to give injections in the knee and the shoulder. Please register online at www.paos.org CME. Again, it's Saturday and Sunday, November the 13th and 14th, a day and a half, 12 hours of CME. So I hope we see you there. The Ortho PAC, hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho PAC, where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Welcome today, Dr. Carmen Quadman, an orthopedic surgeon practicing in Ohio. She's board certified, and her primary focus is trauma and geriatrics. Dr. Quadman, we're very excited to have you on the podcast, and welcome. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. In reading your website, like with many people I see coming into PA profession in orthopedics, it started after an orthopedic injury. You tore your ACL. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> I read that you've had many, many surgeries, so you're very familiar with what patients go through. The reason why I bring that up is I know that was the start, I'm assuming, for your orthopedic career, but also research. And I was hoping you might tell our listeners a little bit about that. Like many, I was an athlete all through high school and came from a family of a number of people that had torn their ACL. And at that time, my high school team, we had six ACL injuries amongst our varsity squad. So my senior year, we really were depleted in terms of who could play. And they were at the time still not really understanding how ACL injuries were occurring. So they brought a research team in to look at if that's something we're doing from a training perspective, or if there was something with the flooring or the shoes we were wearing. At the time I had to sit out because of my knee injury. So instead I watched and observed the researchers and joined their lab. So I spent the better part of a decade working in a lab that did ACL injury prevention, sparked by my total curiosity and frustration of having to go through it. I wanted to be a part of the solution instead of just sitting on the sidelines. What kinds of topics did you study? Sounds like you were thinking orthopedics there, but did it change how you decided what specialty or subspecialty you wanted to do? I think what really helped me is change that I wanted to be a researcher in addition to an orthopedic surgeon. So I had really changed my mindset into being a clinician scientist. And so that truly influenced everything I did in my training and continues to influence everything I do every day. So we spent a lot of time working on biomechanics in athletes. We would bring them in, see how they landed and provide feedback on their landing mechanisms for injury prevention. We progressed that over time. We studied those who we trained to see who went on to have an injury versus those that who we didn't and we had really great outcomes from some of that work. This was back in the 90s and early 2000s when we still were learning a lot about ACL injury. 
what we realized is we were able to help prevent some injuries, but we really didn't understand how people were getting hurt still. So I spent my PhD years focused on landing mechanics from computer modeling and, and cadaver testing and taking what we learned from their athletes' movements and putting those back and simulating them to see how the ACL tears since we couldn't ethically or want to bring somebody into an, a lab and try to tear their ACL. Getting that very basic science approach all the way up to seeing humans and how they move and even seeing those who had undergone ACL reconstruction and their new movement patterns really was a wonderful opportunity. But probably the most influential thing for me still remains, I did an MD, I did a PhD, so I'm a clinician, I'm a scientist, but the thing I, I still identify most with is patient. I've had quite a few surgeries. And so that patient lens, that patient perspective drives everything I do on your bio and your background, you had talked about your interest in psychological safety. I was hoping you might share some of that. It's somewhat of a new topic to me that I've really grown interested in. It started to me because I have a huge interest in quality improvement, patient safety. And I think in order for a health system to thrive in that realm, we have to feel psychologically safe to have goals to talk to each other. So I'll give an example in the operating room. We have a lot of challenges right now with staffing, as I think that this is a nationwide problem with COVID. So we constantly have new travelers coming in and, and aren't necessarily familiar with equipment. We have missing equipment. We have sterilization issues, which can quickly elevate the tension in the room, not related to people necessarily, but to pure frustration. So one of the things we've implemented is we do a surgical timeout in the OR, and then we end with the surgeon saying, I believe in psychological safety in the OR. It's really important that we continue to monitor our emotions in the room. Our goal is to stay in green today. And if everything is happy and we're, we're doing well, we'll stay in that realm. If we feel frustrations, we'll acknowledge it and say that we're in yellow and see what we can do to de-escalate. And if something really bad happens or we're really frustrated and we're in red, we're going to say we're going to focus on the patient and we'll address those issues later. And then at our surgical sign out at the end, we actually talk about that. And I think that has really opened up the opportunity for people to vent and come up with solutions rather than just feel like they're not being heard. And it actually has helped me stay happy and feeling comfortable in the operating room because I feel like when tensions rise, I have something to just stick to and claim for that. But I think it's everywhere. It's giving feedback. A lot of people talk about this word of civility right now. And I think there's a lot of incivility because of COVID. We're burned out. We're frustrated. Even when you're walking down the street, we just feel different as a nation. So I think that that psychological safety kind of applies, especially in healthcare. But I think it applies the same thing in reverse in the home. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have a couple of comments there. The OR ending time and the way you approach that, I think that's awesome. It's much better than a ronjure flying by my head. <laughs> <laughs> I've been around a lot of years, doctor, and I, I've seen instruments thrown and such. So having something like this is so much better, obviously. You're involved with something called Speak Up Ortho, and I was hoping you might share a little bit about that with our listeners. I would say I am on the periphery involved, and instead I'm a champion of Speak Up Ortho. I think it's incredibly powerful to have a environment elevate the challenges that many women minorities face in the operating room or in training or in any part of their experience. I think being a woman in orthopedics for me has really opened my eyes. I think I went in a little bit naive. I knew and I had heard that it's a bit of a challenge, but I think it was shocking to me to continue to see that there's many barriers and the literature is just now starting to come out. But the nice thing about Speak Up Ortho is it's a platform 
for people to share who don't feel safe sharing in their environment. And then also just raising awareness that this is occurring because most people have made the assumption that we solved a lot of these problems. And in fact, many people still experience that today. In fact, today they had a comment about it's especially hard when someone is by themselves speaking up against something unethical or challenging. And then to be alone, you could potentially be ostracized or even retaliated against. And so that leads to fear and not a psychologically safe environment. And to me, I think Speak Up Ortho offers the opportunity for people to safely share. People remain anonymous. There's enough bandwidth to have these conversations. For example, if you want to do a survey and you look at gender in your department, many departments have maybe one to two women in it. So you can't ask to look at an experience between men and women if you only have two women and have them feel able to safely share. And so this really has allowed the platform to share those hard stories that people have been afraid to elevate. I really want to talk to Dr. Canada about this because we're trying to move forward with a similar theme with PAOS, promoting cultural humility, addressing healthcare disparities, that sort of thing. And this falls right in line with that. And I'm looking at the site as we're discussing, and it says it addresses discrimination, bullying, sexual harassment, and harassment in medicine. And it provides you, as you pointed out, a way to discuss things and you can remain anonymous. And I hope that anybody that's listening to this that's having problems, I think there's an environment there for hopefully PAs and nurse practitioners as well, because I'm sure there's similar problems there. And having a place to vent that, a safe place, I think is very helpful and very needed. Dr. Quatman, thank you for being on today. We appreciate your time and hopefully we can get you on in the future. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining the OrthoPAC podcast. Please visit paos.org where members can purchase virtual CME content. This is accessed by clicking on the CME tab on the title bar and following the Learning Center. For non-members, please visit the aapa.org Learning Central for the PAOS virtual content.